0: To be judged, not by the Son of Daylight that we have, but by the Son of God, that we would be judged by Him. And to think about that, uh, that can be heart-wrenching. But to know that the same Son that judges us is also the same one that gave His life for us, well, that makes everything different. It's only through the redemption of Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we can obtain true knowledge and discernment and sincerity, which enables us to stand in this world without offense toward man and God until the coming of our Lord.
1: You're looking too far, for that need you have.
0: from God's Word. pain you We're gonna begin our study officially now in Philippians. In the epistle of Philippians. Paul's writing, which most believe from a prison cell in Rome, somewhere around AD sixty-one and sixty-two. And and time has transpired by it's past and yet there is still this great work and great concern for the church in Philippi and and he says in verse 3 I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now I've already, told you that the first visit was around AD 49 and until now would mean somewhere around AD 61, 62. So at least 10 to 12 years had passed since Paul had first met the people in Philippi and then a church being birthed from his ministry there. But he says, I, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. So I think of this, and he says, I thank God upon every remembrance, and in my flesh, I think, yeah, but you were stripped, and you were beaten, and you were cast into prison. I don't know if I would have a thankful heart, and then I was thinking about that is what took place for that church to get birthed in philippi and I remember the words of Jesus in John sixteen twenty one, where he tells us a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come upon her. But as soon as she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into this world. And I believe with Paul, the same is true. There was pain. He was stripped. He was beaten. He was imprisoned along with Silas. But a church was birthed. And because the church was birthed, he was able to say, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. And the church is there It's standing some 10 to 12 years later as a testimony of God's great grace upon those people. And he says, I thank God in every remembrance of you. That fellowship, he says in verse 5, the koinonia, as we have in the Greek, having communion, having something in common, it means a partnership. You know, their fellowship wasn't based on their nationality or their social status or past. Religious experiences, but based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's a fellowship that cannot be broken because it's been built on a tried stone, on a precious cornerstone, on a sure foundation, according to Isaiah 28 16. That foundation being that of Christ Jesus our Lord. And the bridge that Kevin had on the picture for the introduction, I sent him another picture. He didn't like it, I guess, because he got rid of mine. He caught the essence of the picture. I'm glad. But the idea of that was that we are being built up together. And, you know, in Scripture, God is called a chief cornerstone. Jesus is. Sometimes he's called that capstone. This bridge, without this middle support here, we know that if you take that out, the whole thing would collapse, that all the pressure of that arch is put into what is called a keystone. And it holds the pressure of that bridge together that makes it capable of standing. And Christ is that stone, whether he is the cornerstone, the foundation, how we describe him, or the keystone as in such an arch. He is what we have built our life upon. He is that firm foundation that we are partakers, that we have fellowship in the gospel from the day that we first accepted Christ as our Savior until this day that that fellowship is built upon the Lord. What was true for Paul in his day is also true for us, that we are also part of that. We're one of the stones in the great building of God that God is putting together, built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And then he said verse 6, and it's our memory verse for this month and just one of the verses that is key in the New Testament. Being confident of this very thing that he... Who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, first of all, the day of Christ Jesus technically refers to the second coming of Jesus, but for most of the church for the past two thousand years, the day of Christ Jesus for them was the day that the Lord called them home individually when they passed from this earth into everlasting life. But until that day, we're still here today, it's for us, it's until the day of Jesus Christ, until he either comes back and takes us home corporately, as we know as the rapture of the church, or individually as we die and go to be with the Lord. Until that day, the Lord is working and we should have this confidence. It means to be convinced, to be persuaded, that we have this confidence that the work that the Lord begun, for me, is at the age of Seven, that I acknowledge Jesus as my Savior, but I can look at my life and, and see even before I was born that God was working toward my salvation because he was working his salvation in my parents' life. For my mom before I was born and for my dad when I was two months old. That he who has begun this good work in us, that he will complete it that we are a work in progress. Where is masterpiece. I know I don't feel that way. I just learned this week that I, my left shoulder has, a, has two tendons that hold your shoulder onto your socket, and one of mine is totally severed. So I don't feel like a masterpiece. <laughs> um, when I have a, you know, I wake up thinking, oh, my shoulder doesn't hurt today. That's cool, because usually it does. But we are God's masterpiece. The word tells us in Ephesians 1 4 that in Him we have been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That He chose us before the foundation of the world, He called us, and when we responded to His gospel, that's when our life of faith began. But the life of faith that began then is not complete until we see Jesus face to face. And he is faithful to complete it. And we need to have this confidence, the confidence that Paul proclaimed here, to be confident of this very thing that the work that he has begun, this good work that he has begun, he will complete in our lives. And he goes on in verse 7 and 8, and he says, Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you both in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me in Christ. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. So he's writing from a prison cell. He is writing with chains upon his body, whether just his legs or his hands, the chains are present. They're an everyday reminder in his life, but he has the people in his heart, this great desire, and he calls them partakers of the gospel, that they were sharing in the ministry. And we learn here in the book of Philippians, and we learn uh, in the book of Acts how the churches got together, and some of the other epistles, the Corinthians talks about it also, how they gave gifts to support Paul in ministry. And Philippians had the church in Philippi sending gifts to Paul while he is in prison, and. And just relieving him uh, giving these gifts and such as he's responding with this letter. He said, you guys are partakers in this ministry with me. He refers to the chains. And in verse 13, we'll look at next week, but we'll read today. It says that, so it has become evident to the whole house or the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. That the palace guard believes to refer to there in Rome, that is, he appealed to stand before Caesar Augustus, that his faith became evident in the whole house. His chains that he had was for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he tells the church in Philippi that you are partakers in this. You're not the cause of my chains, but you are partakers in the work of the ministry that continues on. He was in prison and he was... In prayer, he was in prison and he was writing epistles and letters to the church. He was in prison in the whole palace garden. All the rest, he says, they knew that his chains were because of Christ Jesus. Even though he was in prison, he continued to be a witness and a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. And while he was in prison, the church of Philippi, other churches that he had helped birth, that he had ministered at, they're ministering to him now by sending these gifts. And he says, as a result of that, you guys are partakers with me of the grace of God. I had uh, got an email from St. Mike, as I mentioned earlier, but I did want to read this opening line. I just received this email from Mike and his opening line, to those who have invested time And treasure to be part of God's work in Nimli, South Sudan. I assure you that God is being glorified through the lives of our brothers and sisters here. You wouldn't think that the atrocities that they've endured would leave these people sweet, respectful, and hospitable. But they are, and that's the God we serve. He alone is able to heal the brokenhearted. 25 years of war their nation had experienced until uh, they came into peace and then this past year becoming the first nation, first new nation on our planet over the last year and celebrating that first year together as technically South Sudan. Now the words continue on. But he said to all those that have participated, basically, most of the people who have helped support the ministry that have been taking place in Southern Sudan, will never step a foot in Africa, but they have been partakers in that. Hundred million shoeboxes that have went out throughout the world uh, since 1993. I remember uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa—the first time the shoeboxes made their way in there—and the ministry began there in '93. We participated that way back in '93, and our church has been involved with that for the past. Uh, 13 years that I know of. Possibly the 14th year that we're doing the shoeboxes here. And we've packed boxes and they've went out from this church to distributing places and end up eventually wherever God's going to take them and bring them. But the boxes that we have personally packed or had a part in packing or perhaps you didn't pack a box but you helped mail the box. However... That goes, praying for the ministry. We are partakers in that when the child receives it. We've had a share in that ministry, and that is what the Lord has called us to. When Greg Laurie was here in 09 at the Allstate Arena, and our church participated in that. Some people working as ushers, others working on the floor for those who are coming forward, and others just bringing people and and participating in that whole event, 4,000 plus people gave their heart to the Lord during those three days. And we were partakers of that ministry. We had our share in that ministry. And so we become, as it says in Philippians 4.18, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God through the gifts that we give to those who serve the Lord, perhaps in other parts of this world, perhaps locally. And although we may never get to go in some of these areas, we still become partakers in these ministries. We partake in the ministry through the service that we have in helping others. And then Paul closes out his prayer in these three verses for us today. We're going to just look through verse 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. In knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. He prays that their love would abound more and more. He already has a great love and remembrance of the church, and he's already experienced the love of this church through the gifts that were given to him. But he's saying, I want your love to abound even more. To abound in these two things specifically, he said first, in knowledge. That they would have this full knowledge is the prayer for Paul, that they would abound more and more in their knowledge and understanding of faith in God. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, he said it this way, that you may abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also, that you would abound in everything, he said, in faith, speech, knowledge, diligence, and love, that you would abound. And that prayer for us today, that we would abound, that we would come to that not only fullest potential that the Lord could have for us, but even more that we could ever imagine that God's work in our life, that we would abound in knowledge, but also in discernment. And this means to have perception, either moral or ethical, to be able to discern the right thing to do. And he says, I want you to abound in this discernment. He goes on to draw it out in verse 10 by saying that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. This word for sincerity means to be judged by the Son. And it seems like it's even more so these days, as my eyes aren't as keen as they used to be. I used to brag to my kids of my great vision, and I can't do that anymore. I can brag about my great glasses that help me to see. (laughs) But without them, but even with them at times, I'm looking for light. Uh, if I need to do some detailed work and I'm in a house or in a room or somewhere where the lighting's not well, I'll either find light or go outside. That You can find the light to be judged by the sun. But it's really talking about the inspection that takes place when you're looking at a, a piece of artistry. And some commentators believe that this word itself was used with sculptors used to kind of fill in some of the flaws of their work by putting wax to fill the cracks or the chips and then painting over it that it would appear to be a complete work and a great deal. But if exposed to the sun, the wax would melt and expose the sculpture for the truth of what it is. To have this sincerity and to be without offense until the day of Christ Jesus to be judged, not by the Son of Daylight that we have, but by the Son of God, that we would be judged by Him. And to think about that, uh, that can be heart-wrenching. But to know that the same Son that judges us is also the same one that gave His life for us, well, that makes everything different. It's only through the redemption of Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we can obtain true knowledge and discernment and sincerity, which enables us to stand in this world without offense toward man and God until the coming of our Lord. Paul wrote in First Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13, and the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, to all, just as we do to you, that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints, that God will establish our hearts blameless in holiness at the coming of Jesus Christ, that we'll be able to stand him sincere, to be judged by the Son. And although we have our blemishes, the wax that is filling those blemishes is the blood of Jesus Christ, and God sees us covered by the blood. That we can have this confidence of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And in verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. To be filled with the fruits of righteousness. To be filled with the Spirit of God, as it says in Galatians 5.22, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And in Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 10, that we were once in darkness, but now we are in light, that we are the light of the Lord, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding what is acceptable to the Lord. We were once darkness, but now we're to walk in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light because we have the fruit of the Spirit, that of goodness, of righteousness and truth, that we would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, God's work, working in our lives, working through our lives to the praise of God that He should be glorified and that He should be praised as a result of our lives. So in closing, we have seen Paul and Timothy. They're servants of Jesus Christ. That we are saints. No matter where we're at in the ministry of God, that if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are saints. It's been set apart for the purposes of God that also within the church we have the bishops and the deacons there. But we are saints because of God's grace. And through God's grace, we have receive the peace of God in our hearts. As saints, we're to be thankful. Thankful for others, making requests for them with joy because of the fellowship that we share in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be confident in the work that God has begun in our lives so that He will complete it. We need to have that confident confidence in the Lord until we see Him face to face. That we are partakers of the gospel through our support of ministry, whether it's here at this local church or giving to uh, missions throughout the world, that we are partakers of this ministry. And it's to the praise of God that we can share in this work. And finally, that the desire that we are to abound, to abound in knowledge and discernment, to be sincere, to be without offense, that our lives would have the fruits of righteousness, that come by Jesus Christ and the gift of God, that we would bring him glory and praise with our lives. Father, that is our prayer today. He who has begun a good work. Father, we read here in this passage of many of the things that we have already been considered as believers, Lord, that we are saints, saints, that we are in fellowship, in koinonia, that we are partakers. And a lot of times, Lord, we don't feel that we're living up to these positions, these titles that you have given us. But he who has begun a good work in us, he who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. We thank you for that today, a reminder of that to us today, that, Lord, the work that you have begun You will complete. And we are that work. We are the stone that is part of the building of God that occupies the spirit of God. And Lord Jesus, you are that chief cornerstone that we build our life upon. May we have that confidence today. As Paul was able to write, being confident in this very thing, Lord, would you give us that confidence the work that you're doing in us and through us. And Lord, that if we lack the confidence today, if we lack knowledge, if we lack discernment, if we lack sincerity, if we have been offensive, Lord, I pray that you would reverse all those things, and Lord, that they would just be this again, this washing from the inside out, that you would purge us and make us whiter than snow, that we can live and move and walk and as you have called us to as believers in the day and age that we live in today. is my prayer for myself, for our people here this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit.